Welcome to Your Best Writing Life, an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week, I bring you tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you excel in your craft. And I am so glad you're listening in today. Today, we're going to be sharing some self-care for writers, how to experience God's glory as writers. And don't we all desire to do that? My industry expert is Stephanie Roussel. Stephanie is the founder of Gospel Spice Ministries and the host of the Gospel Spice podcast. Her personal motto is God's glory, our delight. Born and raised in France, she has lived for her one Lord over the last two decades on three continents, in four countries, and five cities through six professional roles. Whoa! This 100% French native is a wife, mom, podcaster, public speaker, Bible teacher, former women's ministry director, and strategy consultant. Stephanie loves sharing nuances taken from the French and English languages and cultures to experience scripture from the inside out. Stephanie Roussel, welcome, welcome to your best writing life. Hi, Linda. It's so good to be with you today. Oh, it is so good to have you here. And we're going to head right into our content for today on how we can experience God's glory as writers. And Stephanie, Mm -hmm. I know that your personal motto is God's glory, our delight. What do you mean by that? Mm. Well, that's kind of, I think, um, the result of having sought God and having tried to understand really what our purpose is as as human beings created in his image. And I think that we all delight in something. We all find meaning and purpose and identity in something. And for me, you know, through seeking where to find my identity and through reading the scriptures and through looking at um, a lot of what I call the dead guys, you know, primarily old Puritans who lived a long time ago and had such a focus on the glory of God as the the essence of what they were looking for. It really has influenced me to to come to the conclusion that as human beings, our greatest purpose in life is the glory of God. And that's very much in the Westminster Catechism as well. So it's not like I'm inventing anything. I'm following in the footsteps of the very rich tradition of saying that to find our delight in God and specifically in his glory, which is the visible manifestation of his presence by and large. And we we can go into what that means for us as Christian communicators, but to, to, to determine as a decision of the will and as a, as a, as a movement of the heart to make our delight in the glory of God. I think it's both a decision and a process. It's both the goal and the destination. And it's, um, it's a journey. I, I haven't arrived. I can't say that I delight mm-hmm. in God's glory every day or all the time by and large, but that's my goal. And, and it's a both a very humble goal because in Christ it is guaranteed, but it's also, I think the loftiest and the most ambitious goal that we can have as human beings, because it is in my humble opinion. And I, I think according to scripture, um, it is the the reason why God created us. I, I love to bring French into 
you know, our spiritual lives as, as English speakers, because I'm not a native English speaker. And being French, in French, we have two different words. Well, you guys have two different words that we would translate delight. And so in French, uh, there's a French word called delice. And delice is both delight and delicious. And so mm. when I'm saying that we're looking to make God's glory our delight, it, there's also something very hedonistic, almost um, according to the five senses and, and maybe the five spiritual senses. I don't know how many spiritual senses we have, but, you know, we have some, uh, you know, God challenges us to love him with all of our strength and our might and our soul and our, you know, everything we are, these are all in some ways, uh, you could equate them to spiritual senses, but all this to say, God in French is both delightful and delicious because it's both delight and deliciousness. And that is that word delight in, in English would be, the, it would be those two words in French. And so the fact that we can apply or delight in the glory of God as a feast for the body, for the mind, for the spirit, anywhere where beauty really reigns supreme. And I think as Christian communicators, we are hardwired to create beauty with our words, with the world that we create through our fiction and through the encounters that we suggest through our nonfiction, whether it is in speaking or in writing. And so we create beauty. We are co-creators of beauty with God. And I think that's when we delight in the glory of God, when we end enter into the process he has given us um, to delight in him. Uh, so that's, I, you know, you and I have had conversations before and uh, I like to compare God to a nice, warm French uh, croissant and maybe not God <laughs> as much as scripture. And as you know, you know, Jeremiah or Ezekiel, they say that scripture is like honey and, uh, and Jesus says he is the bread of life. And, and that's obviously all true. But I would also like to suggest that there's something to saying that scripture and our relationship with God is like a nice, fresh, warm croissant where you bite into it and all of your five senses are immersed in the experience because you can see it, you can taste it, you can smell it, you can even hear it cracking under your teeth. And then obviously you can, um, you can touch it. And so all the five senses are involved. And that's an experience of delight in the French um, context of saying that um, for us, luxury is an experience of the five senses. And so biting into a hot French fresh croissant is an experience where the five senses are involved and therefore it is luxurious. And spiritually speaking, to delight in the glory of God, that is the ultimate luxurious experience we can have in Christ. And it's a luxury that is available to anyone. So it's not a matter of riches or status. It's a matter of abiding in him. And that's for every each and every one of us. And so that's why, you know, our ministry is called Gospel Spice, because we invite you, and that's our ministry motto, to taste and see that the Lord is good. So for me, to taste and see on one hand and to delight in the glory of God on the other hand, these are kind of two sides of the same coin. And that kind of summarizes my life right now. And it's um, it's God's faithfulness that allows all of it, as I'm sure you can relate, Linda. <laughs> Absolutely. And I will share with you right now the concept of delighting in God with all of our senses. Mm. That just, when you were talking, I just had this warmth just really come over me. And it was like, I believe it was the Holy Spirit just saying, yes, this is what I want, or this is how I want everyone to experience me, how I want everyone 
to approach me, not with a shallow relationship, but with one that savors every single moment. And truthfully, the French croissant. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm like going, my mouth is watering. I can smell it, just the buttery essence of it. And what a delight and how delicious. And I do appreciate that you give us a little bit of vocabulary today because words have power. And what you are bringing to us in the definition of some of these words, I think they get lost and we use some words loosely where God really has designed us to understand the depth of his word as we also devour his word on a daily basis. And so bringing in every aspect I really appreciate that you brought that out right at the beginning, because I want all of our listeners to know that when we delight in God's glory, it changes everything, Mm -hmm. absolutely changes everything. Mm -hmm. So this is a beautiful way for us to start. And I am so glad that you are here with us. Let's dive a little bit further. As Christian communicators, why is this element of God's glory, our delight, really something we need to buy into? And I'm saying, you know, be all in with. We really, if we we will do this, it will change. As I said, it will change our lives personally, but it will also change us as writers of his word. Share with us on that. Mm, That's so true. And again, I think I love what you're saying, that it's a process and it's not something that um, I have arrived at by any means. And, Mm. uh, you know, I I look to those who have gone before me, uh, whether they're alive in our generation or whether they they are already with the Lord, and I I learn from them. And, And then as Christian communicators, I think are one of our deepest desires is probably to pass on what we have learned and and to say, hey, I'm nothing but a signpost pointing mm. towards God. And again, to, to make God's glory our delight, I think it's both. Um, I, I find it to be very freeing because it takes my eyes off of me and, oh Lord, have mercy. My eyes are on me way more than they need to be. And so right. uh, to, to to focus on the glory of the Lord allows me to remember, uh, of course, and, and these are things we all know, but we all need to be reminded. And I'm the first who needs to be reminded on a regular basis that it's not about me, it's about him. And so mm-hmm. when my delight is not in my own glory, because um that's very shallow and that's that's cheating myself really of it's like saying hey instead of a, a hot warm croissant i'm going to be satisfied with some i don't know microwaved leftover version of something i cooked last week right it's it's not going to oh, be yes. as satisfying and it would, right. it would nourish me. I mean, it might still still nourish me, give me the nutrients I need, even though I might doubt it. I doubt it. But to say when I'm focusing on my own glory and and um, how others view me, or even how I view myself by and large, um, I'm I'm 
settling for less. I'm settling for the leftover croissant that I bought at the grocery store last week. And that is really not good. Whereas I could have the real deal. I could have the thing fresh out, hot of the oven when I focus on the glory of God. So why would I settle for less? I think every time we choose to focus on ourselves or when we focus on others and we start comparing, either way we lose because we're not focused on God. And for me, the, the only way for me to remember that I'm always better off, the most selfish decision I can make really is to focus on the glory of God because it's what's best for me. And, you know, as a selfish person, I want what's best for me. And what's best for me is to forget myself and to focus on him. And so when mm. I train my heart and I beg him to teach me, to train me, to, to delight in him and to to live a life of spiritual luxury, of not settling for the leftovers. So for my own sake, really, and I, again, I'm saying this almost cynically, but from a selfish perspective, the best thing I can do is to live and to, and to step into the fullness of what God has ordained for me, which is his glory as my delight and not my glory as my delight. And so that makes a big mm. difference. And so to understand what the glory of God is, um, to me, you know, it is best seen in the face of Christ Jesus. One of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 4, 6, where Paul says, um, he talks about the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. And that encapsulates for me, my quest as, as a believer is to delight in the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. And so, to look to Jesus as the one who never settled for a stale croissant. I mean, I don't know that he literally ever had a croissant, which <laughs> is a very, it's a form of sacrifice in itself that he would come to a time and place that did not have croissant. I'm joking, but you know, um, you know, the fact that Jesus always had his eyes on, on the best for him, the best for his father, which was one and the same because it was the glory of God. Jesus is the ultimate model of a life of spiritual luxury. So not only do I want to delight in the glory of God because it's selfishly what's best for me and also for others so that my eyes are not on them or on me, but they are on the Lord. But then also because that's what Jesus um, did and challenges us to do on a daily basis. And so all the way, and, and that that's not a, Linda, I think you and I would both know that this isn't a walk in the park, delighting right. in the glory of God. It's not all nice and fuzzy and, and sprinkles and confettis and, and warm croissants. It is also, um, I mean, Psalm 22, Jesus, you know, forsook everything for the glory of God, not his will, uh, but God's will be done. And that's what delighting in the glory of God also means is that he surrendered it all so that we could enjoy it. Um, and so just to, to, to live in the tension of that humility, I think is, is very important as well. Um, so yeah, just some of the thoughts of why, why I think it's very important and especially Linda, I mean, you know, James says that teachers will be judged more harshly, right? And yes. as Christian communicators, yes. that applies to all of us. And I think uh, it's, it's, it, sh it sends shivers down my spine every time I even think of it because it's, it's terrifying. And I think for me, the, the be best safeguard against my own heart um, is to keep reminding myself that there's no greater joy for me than to delight in the glory of God because that's what Jesus did. That's what he challenges us to do on a daily basis. And so as, as teachers, I mean, all of us are, are teachers in one form or another because we are Christian communicators. And therefore, 
we will be judged more harshly. And that's a sobering thought. And again, I, I do not trust my own heart. Mm. I really don't. I really mm. do not. And I know it will take me down the wrong path of self-glory or comparison or judgment or whatever, or, you know, or doctrinal error or whatever, mm. unless I stay focused on making God's glory my delight. And that becomes my definition of success. Mm. That's what each of us should be striving for, to recognize first who we are in Christ, who he is in us, how we are to walk our day-to-day life, how we are to write, how we are to speak, how we are to share the good news and to share what he has placed in us as Christian communicators. And if we are not founded on the truth of God's glory, who God really is, we will be tempted by our own desires, as we read in James. And when we are tempted by our own desires, maybe of self-worth, our own self-promotion, our own self in general, then that can turn us away from God's path for our life. It can bring the sin in that will be destructive for us as Christian communicators. It can be destructive of our testimony. It can destroy our testimony It can destroy our witness, and we are to walk in such a way that when others do not know God and they know us, perhaps in something that we share, something that we write, something that we speak about, they will come to know the true God because they know us. And it is not easy, folks. It is not. You've heard Stephanie say this again and again. We fail every day. And I believe all of you can resonate with that. We fail every day, yet God is sovereign. Mm. And his possibility, his promises, his way is going to help us accomplish everything he desires for us or else he would not have placed it as a passion in our life to write, to speak, to share as communicators the truth, which is Jesus Christ. Stephanie, this is powerful stuff. And it's exactly what we need to hear as we are branching into the new season, into a new year, into new endeavors that God has for us. You had touched right at the end that this is what success looks like. I know that you have a roadmap of success. I'd love for you to share that with our listeners as well. Yeah. Again, I think, you know, you you said it very well. We are all wired to 
to succeed. I mean, I think God hardwires us for success. The problem is what definition of success we have. And if we follow ourselves and our own hearts, then it's very easy or what the world says, right? I mean, if you look at how the world defines success and, and by and large, I'm afraid and I'm, I'm grieved to say maybe a lot of the Christian world as well, it's, it's numbers, it's platform, it's how many people have you know, listen to your uh, sermon or, you know, mm-hmm. bought your book or, you know, attended your events or whatever. And these are not wrong in themselves. But again, if they become the goal, then it's, I think it's, it's off key and it's dangerous. So again, for me, um, because I know my own heart and I, I do not trust it, then I need, I need to trust God's heart for me. And God, mm-hmm. I think clearly spells out that, the ultimate definition of success is when I delight in, in him, in his glory. And, and I think humbly that this applies to all of us and especially as Christian communicators, because as you said, we try to spread that delight to others. We try to explain to others and to, and to live with our lives. As Augustine said, you know, preach with your life and occasionally use words. We seek to make the delight of God something desirable for others. And it Mm. can only be desirable for others if it is truly our deepest desire. And therefore, your deepest desire shapes your definition of success. And so success to me is delighting in the glory of God. And so it's something that I will assess on a regular basis every day or every few, you know, whenever you, you, you set that out for yourself, but to say, hey, Have I spent the last few hours, the last day, delighting in the glory of God? Has his glory, his presence, his agenda been foremost in my mind and in my life? And am I going to do this this coming year? Am I going to do this tomorrow? And it's going to look different for each one of us, right? The way you, Linda, are going to manifest your delight in the glory of God in your life for others to see is going to look different from mine. As Christian communicators, again, there's going to be some common ground, but because God never makes the same story twice. He's way too creative for that. In the same way, he's going to have a definition of success that is going to look a little bit different for each one of us, but it's going to be under that same premise of delighting in the glory of God. And so to make God's glory our delight every day, that is the goal. And therefore that is the measure of success. And so when I do that, and and the crazy thing is Linda, that because it is God enabled It is therefore Mm -hmm. God guaranteed. And I discover that when I seek to make God's glory my delight every day, Linda, it actually works. Therefore, I discover that it is possible to live a highly successful life. That's very satisfying. And as a Christian communicator, we all want a highly successful life. So it's just a matter of what is our definition. And I think our most ambitious definition, when we live up to the most ambitious definition of success that we can have, and we actually live it, nothing can be more satisfying than that. And I think that is what heaven will be all about, to delight in the presence, in the glory of God forever and ever. Talk about ultimate success. And that's actually compatible with all of the hustling and bustling of platform Mm. building and all of the elements of what we actually need to do in the world on a day-to-day basis to to get the word out there. It's not saying, hey, I'm just going to be hiding under a rock over here and just praise and worship God and do nothing and wait for God to do everything for me. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying other things we're called to do. Yes, we need to grow our platforms. Yes, we need to hone our craft and our message. Of course, we need to be the best possible Christian communicators we can be, but we do this under the umbrella of delight 
in God as the actual goal, not the numbers, not the platform. And so I do have this quick roadmap of uh, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. And it's something that, you know, everyone is very familiar with, but I love looking at it from the end back towards the beginning. So looking in reverse order, because it tells me, you know, be still and know that he is God. Well, first he is God again. And that's back to saying, Hey, I'm not God. You're not God. Our listener is not God. He is God. And therefore it's not my glory. It's not your glory. It's his glory. It's God's glory, not my glory. And we touched on that earlier. And then the fact that he calls us to delight in him says, hey, you know, it's going to take everything I got to step into making God's glory my delight. Um, here at Gospel Spice, we have, uh, we feel God gave us this, this very strong marching orders of sorts. And he told us to step into what he has ordained. He ordains mm. it. He's ordained us to delight in his glory. But our job is to step into it. And as Christian communicators, I mean, again, it takes everything we've got to step into the fullness of what he has already ordained, but we can take no glory from it because he has ordained it. He's the one making it happen. And yet he invites us to co-create with him as we step into it. He is God and there is no other. He is unique in that way. And then he challenges us, be still and know that I am God. He is God and he challenges us to know it. To me, that is summarized maybe most succinctly in Paul's words to the Philippians in what is my favorite verse, maybe in all of scripture. And when Paul in Philippians 3.10 says, for my determined purpose is that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship in his sufferings, to know Christ. And that's where I love the French again, because in French, we have two words for you, one English word to know. We have one word that is really head knowledge. And it's used about 300 times in scripture out of the thousand times that the word to know is used in English. And so 300 times, it's about savoir, which is head knowledge. And then 700 times, it's the word to know in English, but it's another French word, which is connaître. And it's heart knowledge, experiential knowledge. It's biting into that French croissant as opposed to just hearing about it. It's the experience of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. And that experience, Experience is obviously the word that Paul uses here when he says, for my determined purpose is that I may know Christ. He's not talking about head knowledge. He's talking about a full experiential knowledge of the presence of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 again. And he says that takes place through the power of his resurrection and the fellowship in his sufferings. Again, this is no easy walk in the park. Having fellowship with the sufferings of Christ, mm. I, 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 uh, that scares me. It's terrifying, but it's part of experiential knowledge. It's part of knowing my Lord. And so to delight in the glory of God means, yes, the power of his resurrection, and we're all in favor, but also the fellowship in his sufferings. So again, it's a high calling that is only possible in Christ. And then at the beginning of that verse of Psalm 4610, the psalmist gives us the secret. It's to be still, to be still so that we will know what? That he is God. And to be still is to stop striving, to stop fighting. It, it's almost to stop hustling. But again, I think we need to hustle as Christian communicators in the world, but, but in a stillness and in a mm. knowing and a waiting on the Lord to stay put, to remain, to abide. These are all encapsulated in the be still. 
when Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Uh, mm. That word rest here is actually a close cousin in French to the word used in be still. So in other words, Jesus here is saying in French, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you to be still and to know that I am God. And we come full circle because all of a sudden it's really all about Jesus more than it is about us. And it has always been. So that's both the how and the why of delighting in the glory of God. It's to be still and to know that this is all about Christ, about the power of his resurrection, the fellowship in his sufferings. And when we're actively still, so that we actively seek to know experientially who he is and what he has done for us, what he ordains, then we can step into the fullness of delighting in his glory. And again, to finish with this, Jesus was never in a hurry. And yet he accomplished everything his father called him to do. All of it. So true. So true. Because he, he knew to be still and to know that the Lord is God. He knew the power of resurrection. He knew the, to invite us into the fellowship of his sufferings. And Jesus actively still. And God calls us to be actively still. To be active but to be still, to step into what he's, he is ordaining. And so the question for you, Linda, for the listener, for me is, what does that look like for each one of us right now as we step into 2022? Mm. That is the question. What does it look like? What am I going to choose? Because it is a choice. How am I going to choose to know him more? How am I going to choose to be still, to stop the striving? When you were talking about the striving and the weariness, come to me all who are weary and I will give you to be still. I absolutely love that. In that moment, I was like, oh, we need to release worry. We need to release the striving to be Perhaps what God has not called us to be, resting in the truth that he equips all of us for the purpose he has set us apart to accomplish mm -hmm. in our life. And for me, Stephanie, it's every morning, every morning. And yes, this is not easy. It is not easy. But over the years, I've just asked, Father, give me a hunger and thirst for you above all things in my life, more than my love for my husband, more than my love for my family, for my children, for my now grandbabies. Father, I want to know you in an intimate, soul-wrenching way. And when I get up in the morning, the first thing I want to do is have communion with him. I want to be in his presence. I want to hear his word. I want to consider his truth. So for me, I journal a little bit. I listen to some audio reading of the word because I love having that going into my ears. I can read it out loud myself, but I love having that come into my ears. And then I consider the rest of my day. Father, this is your day. How shall I walk in it? 
And Stephanie, I will tell you, with the hustle, you talked about that, the hustle, the striving, that being still, that is the biggest challenge that I have, is being still. How would you suggest, I know this is all individual, but if we want to stay firmly planted with this perspective of God's glory, our delight, being still and knowing that he is God, is there something you would have us consider? Mm. Well, I would say, you know, to be reminding one another is very important. Mm. Listening to you reminds me. And then, um, you know, always being surrounded by that, you know, great cloud of witnesses, whether it be uh, in heaven or even as Christian communicators with one another. I think it's very, very important. But I think it's also uh, what you were saying, staying grounded in the Lord um, and picking up those habits that keep us grounded in him. And it's interesting because in English, the word habit is also a piece of clothing, as actually it is in French. The word abi in French means a piece of clothing. And so how do we spiritually clothe ourselves with habits of grace as Christian mm. communicators? And I think is, you listed a few of them every day, you know, as we choose our outfit to get dressed with, well, what about our spiritual habits? And I think uh, the word habit in English is also the word for clergy wear, right? I mean, a nun will wear a habit. And I think spiritually speaking, what habits do we have? How do we get dressed? Um, In in French, every day I go into my closet and I literally pick out my habit that I'm going to wear because it means a piece of clothing. So every day it's what I do. Um, and, And pajamas are actually habits as well in some ways in French, but um, spiritually speaking, uh, how do we go to our spiritual closet and what spiritual habits do we put on for the day? I think in Colossians, uh, it says, whatever you put on, make sure to put on love. And um, that's a loose paraphrase, but yes, of course we're putting on love, but how do we get dressed? How do we make God's glory or delight every day? What does that look like today in what I'm going to wear? And I can wear, you know, you said, uh, reading scripture, is, is a way to get dressed spiritually, to memorize the scripture, to pray, mm. to, to do Bible study, to read inspiring works from today's Christian communicators, but also from the past, um, journaling, and then going out to serve in his name and fasting and worship. And all of those things are spiritual habits that we put on that clothe us and allow us to, to go forward and then to challenge one another with our spiritual habits and to encourage one another. Oh, Linda, I absolutely love what you're wearing today. It's beautiful, spiritually speaking. So I think these are good Mm. things. And then what do you choose to not put on? Uh, Jealousy, competition, anger, uh, bitterness, impatience. These are also habits that we need to choose to not put on. So it works both ways. I really like that. And I do like the power of community. We're, we're called to come into fellowship with one another. We're called, and it's, and as Christian communicators, it's not necessarily always going to a writer's conference to learn our craft more, but it's maybe going to a writer's conference to find that spiritual connection with someone who is on the same path that mm. we've been called to be on. And to ask that question, to to share transparency, I firmly believe that transparency transforms. Mm. 
It not only allows me the ability to be vulnerable in a safe place, but I found that my transparency opens opportunities for others to say, me too, me too. And what do I do with this? When we are together, it's like the redwood trees. They have many redwood trees in California and their roots are shallow. Mm -hmm. You won't often find them in the open by themselves. They're in a grove of trees because their roots intermingle. And when the winds come, because they will, they will push, but each tree holds the other one up. And that's how we can survive in this community of uh, being a Christian communicator, to be firmly planted and to say, nothing will knock me over today. I am trusting in God. I am trusting in His, in His glory. I will delight in Him today, no matter how the winds blow. So what you have shared with us is powerful. Yet, and I use the term yet, I don't want to say that word yet. I think it's appropriate. There is still a sense of competition amongst Christian communicators. I I would love to say, oh, no, all Christian communicators have no competition. They're not one-upping each other. They're not trying to be better than someone else or to be just alike someone else. How do we move forward being confident in what God has called us to do in the projects that he has set before us, yet not slip down that slope of competition with others on the same journey. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's such um such an important question. And I think I mean I wrestle with it. I, I don't pretend to have all the answers to it for sure. But what I'm learning is that, well, let me give you just maybe quick couple series of illustrations um because as Christian communicators, we love illustrations, right? So one of right. them is uh Picture you yourself, you and me in a race and the way we would initially picture a race, I don't know, the Olympics or whatever on TV is that you see those lanes and there's a runner in each lane and they are competing against each other and there's only going to be one winner. But that is not the race that Paul talks about when he says that he challenged us to run the race that is set before us surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses to talk about them again, because in this case, it's more you know, this is more like a group race. We are all running our race in our lane, but what matters Mm -hmm. is not my individual time over your individual time, but God is actually going to look at the collected time of all of us together. And I win when you win, because Mm -hmm. it's not about how fast I go. It's about all of us together. And so when I remember that God is going to look at us and not look at my individual time, but look at all of us together because we're not running that race against each other, but against the clock, really. And therefore, all of us together, our times add up and that's our time. And therefore, all of a sudden, my goal isn't to be faster than you. My goal is to help you if I can and to let you help me because I know you can. Mm -hmm. Because we need to remember that the competition is not with the other runners in the Christian world. 
the competition is against, you know, the flesh and the devil and the heart in ourselves. And also the world is watching. The world is in the bleachers and they are the ones watching, sometimes cheering mm. us on, sometimes leering, you know, and, and, and making fun of us. But that doesn't matter because we are, this is how the world will know that we are his disciples, when we love one another. Not mm. when we compete, not when we say, I'm right, you're wrong, but when we love one another. So that's the first illustration is remember, this is more of a relay race or a common race, group race, than it is an individual race. Because as you said, we are all linked together with our roots or common roots in Christ. Then yes. the second thing I would say is you want to look at the other side of the coin of making God's glory our delight, because the moment... I know that you seek to make God's glory your delight, and I do too. That creates a bond. We're family because we both seek to delight in God together. And I know I can learn from you, and I want to learn from you. I want you, I need you to encourage me to delight in God more. So why would I see you as competition when I see you as someone I can learn from and who actually can help me delight in God more? And then also... Linda, the reason why we can delight in God's glory, it's because we don't focus on our own glory. And the reason why we don't focus on our own glory is because our glory is defined by the amount of delight that God takes in us. Mm. So think of it that way. My delight is God's glory, but my glory is his delight. And, and that could, I could easily be misunderstood on that. So let me just elaborate. I mean, because if you look at the Old Testament in particular, there's a lot of verses about the gl our glory. And it's like, okay, but I thought it wasn't about my glory. I thought it was about God's glory. So what is all of this about uh, God giving us glory and in Christ, uh, Christ in us, the hope of glory and all of those verses, what does that mean? Well, I would humbly suggest that God delights over us. Zephaniah 317 and all of those verses, God delights over us. And the delight that he takes over us that is the definition of our glory. And because God takes infinite delight in us, he bestows on us infinite glory, but that is not the kind of glory I'm seeking. And that can only happen when I delight in his glory. And so when I think of you that way, Linda, when I think of you and the amount of delight, the sheer pleasure that God takes in you, how could I see you as competition? God mm. delights in you with otherworldly love. And that is your glory. You are glorious because you are in Christ and because God delights in you because of mm -hmm. Christ. Therefore, therefore I delight in you too. And I want to learn from you and I want to encourage you and I want to cheer you on. And I want to sit at your feet. And we do this as Christian communicators. And when that happens, when God allows us to taste and see that he is good, both in our delight in his glory, but also in the delight he takes in us, and that becomes our glory, that teaches us humility. And that's a privilege of humility that we learn every day. Because if you look at the world that way, there's no room for pride. There's no room for a sense of achievement apart from the Lord. But there is that sense of, of humble dependence and of deep relationship with God, with one another. And again, we see this in Jesus. He's our guide. He's our role model. He's our Lord and our King both. And that way, when you delight in God, it's both the way to but also the result of a well-grounded identity in him. And we get back to what you were saying earlier. And when we are well-grounded in him, in our identity, the rest is going to flow pretty seamlessly. And success 
true success, which is delight in the glory of God and the delight he takes in us, that becomes absolutely inevitable. And that's what the God, the Lord calls us to. He beckons us to make his glory our delight every day, Linda. And that's what you do. And I'm grateful that you do that. And this is, this is for every level of writer. Please hear us. If you are beginning your writing journey and you think, oh, how can I come along someone else? How can I, I have nothing to offer anyone. Oh, my friend, you do. You absolutely do. When God positions us, it's for his purpose. I don't have to see exactly what it is he wants to do with me. All I have to do is take that next step in the direction that he has called me to, and not to allow the enemy to speak any negativity in me, to say, you have no value, you are not precious, you are not worthy to be here. Oh, my precious friend, what God has called you to, he will see you through. And what's so amazing is when you have brothers and sisters in Christ who are fellow communicators our arms want to wrap right around you and say, welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so glad that you are here. And we want to learn, Stephanie, as you said, we want to sit at your feet. What is God doing in your life? What is going on with you right now? And the enemy can't come up against that. It's when we isolate ourselves, like taking an ember out of a fireplace and moving over to the side, that it becomes cold. Yet, if it is picked up, if a hand reaches out, if a word of encouragement sparks an individual, brings us all right back into that fire, into the race, into the position where we can accomplish what God wants for our life his glory, we will delight in it as he delights in the glory he has brought in and through our lives. It is, you know, us in him, him and us, we are together. And I think that's one of the most important things I pray for all of you who are listening today. Life is hard and God is sovereign. You are not alone. This year can be a fabulous year for you. Start out with you yourself delighting in God's glory. And then hang on, because he's going to bring opportunities to you that you never fathomed before. Just because you said, all right, God, I'm in it. And whatever you show me, I'm going to go with it. And we do ask for discernment in all of these areas as well. But it really is having that not just head knowledge, but having the heart knowledge. And that begins with our relationship with Jesus Christ, our willingness to spend time with God, to know him more and to be still for his purpose. This is all so good. So good. 
Thank you, Stephanie, for being here. Mm -hmm. I do have a question I love to ask our first-time guests. Stephanie Roussel, what brings you joy? Mm. <laughs> That's such a good question. And I think uh, you and I might answer along the same lines, though I have not heard your answer to that question. But to me, it really is to do what you and I have been doing to encourage one another. And um, for me, as uh, when I have the privilege to teach, to teach scripture to a group of people, um, there's nothing quite like watching someone all of a sudden experience delight in God mm. and to watch their eyes glimmer with love and with hope in him and in a deepened sense of who God is to them and of who they are to him of, in other words, of experiencing delight in his glory and to watch someone else, a brother or a sister in Christ, taste and see new depths of delight in the glory of God in their own lives. There's that brings me joy, Linda, a lot. Absolutely. It does. Absolutely. It does. That's why I love even the name of your podcast, the Gospel Spice Podcast. Tell us a little bit about it and where we can connect with you there. Yeah, thanks. So Gospel Spice, uh, yeah, taste and see that the Lord is good kind of encapsulates the concept of Gospel Spice where we uh, just bring fresh spices into what might be a bit of a stale season in your relationship with God. And so if you've ever experienced a level of staleness in your relationship with God, if you know what it's like to microwave a stale croissant for lunch, we invite you to experience fresh spices and to sprinkle that croissant with a little bit of cardamom and cinnamon, cilantro and cumin straight from scripture and see, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so we do this through in-depth Bible teachings and we do this through spicy guest interviews that we have the privilege to alternate. So, mm -hmm. and you can find it right next to your best writing life, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Absolutely. You can. And I will encourage all of our listeners, please go to the show notes. We have so many links there for you to stay connected with Stephanie and also on gospelspice.com forward slash resources you're going to find so many amazing free, um, just, I mean, opportunities, well, not opportunities. What are they? Just free resources. Yeah. Yeah. To help yeah you absolutely. Grow. Mm -hmm, yeah. Yeah. That. And yeah, just listening to the podcast and we provide in-depth Bible studies, uh, for members, which is completely free, which can, you know, we use, we have spice jars, um, life groups all around the world. And we, uh, we have the privilege to lead them in those, uh, in those experiences of scripture. So that's available to anyone who wishes to join us on this quest to taste and see that the Lord is good. I love it. Spice jars. So mm -hmm. good. <laughs> this is great. And now I have this amazing visual. So yay. Stephanie Roussel, it has been such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for what you do, Linda. It encourages countless. And only in heaven will you see um, the depth of the work that you are faithfully doing for the Lord through this podcast and everything else you do. Father God, praise you for who you are. Well, thank you, friends, also for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review because what you have to say matters as much as what you have to write. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being here with you next time on Your Best Writing Life.